You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. On today's episode, we're talking to Derek Johnson, my old buddy from Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Locked On Jayhawks. We'll get his thoughts on this upcoming Kansas basketball season, his expectations for Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris stepping into leadership roles, and how he thinks this rotation is going to shake out specifically in the front court where there doesn't seem to be much solidified in terms of playing time, role, rotation stuff. And we'll also, uh, do a little inventory check on Kansas football by week this week. Four games left. Don't know if Jalen Daniels is going to come back. Don't know if there's anything guaranteed, really, the last four games of the year. So we'll go over some hypotheticals and get his sort of big-picture thoughts on Kansas football. All right, let's get to it. Derek Johnson, host of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN and Lawrence, also Locked On Jayhawks podcast. You're talking about Kansas every day. I'm doing it once or twice a week, maybe. And I'm already to the point where it's like, do I want to keep talking football? Like, I get it. It's the bye week, so it's an easy week to be like, okay, late night, media day. It's time for Kansas basketball season. But how much have you sort of felt that shift over the last three weeks when they started losing games? It's funny because, I mean, you you know, you've sat in my chair and everything. And uh, when you were the host of, of the show, Kansas had a lot of bad football teams. So, we would weave in KU basketball conversation, I mean, the first week of the college football season, right? And this year, we had been, like, exclusively talking KU football until this week. This week is really the first week that we've, you know, outside of just, like, a random segment here or there or some media availability that we've, like, kind of buckled down on KU basketball. And it's it's because of the bye week. It's because of... KU football starting to struggle now. It's because KU basketball is light right around the corner. Um, there's a KU basketball game sooner than there is a KU football game at this point, which is kind of weird to think about. Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't even think about it like that because Kansas basketball, first game next Friday, and obviously 100%. the bye week. So do you still feel the buzz? Like, well, let me ask you this, because the 5-0 and start ramps up intensity, Duke game, sellout crowd. Would you have rather had the 5-0 five, five start followed by the three-game losing streak, or do you think it would have the same effect if they were just sort of mincing in wins and losses all season long? I think you take how it was, because I, I know at the end of the day, like being ranked in the AP poll isn't like a be-all, end-all. You don't like hang a banner for it or anything, but it just ends that discussion of, you know, oh, Kansas hasn't been ranked since 2009 or, or whatever year it was. Um, that just kind of ends that. It also gets you college game day there, which had never happened before. So I think you take the trade off of how it happened. But to your point on the buzz, like, I think that is a real conversation. Are they going to sell out the Oklahoma State game next week? Coming off a bye, it's going to be in, be in November. I don't know what the weather is going to be like, but probably cooler. They still haven't announced the time for the game, so that'll play into it as well. Uh, they had such good momentum with selling out back-to-back games are they going to be able to sell out this one again? I, I think it'll be a good crowd. I think it'll still be, you know, 40,000 plus, but that is a question to me of if it'll actually be a sellout. 
I don't think it will be. I think you're. I think you nailed it there. I think there will. It will be a good crowd. It's not going to be like the typical fifteen, twenty thousand that you're used to seeing. But I'm not saying that people are throwing in the towel. It's just that this is Kansas football, and we know the history there. And you got a little taste of victory and what it feels like to be relevant. But you lose the Heisman candidate. You lose three straight games. I do think we'll see a, a dip for that for that Oklahoma State game. But if they win that game, then uh, what's their final home game? Texas Tech. Is that right? Texas. They go Oklahoma State at Tech, Texas at home, and then at K-State. I mean, how much do you think, though, if, if they were to announce Jalen Daniels as the starting quarterback on, whatever, Thursday or Friday before the game, do you think that would increase buzz and, and make it more likely oh, of to course. sell out? Of course. He is worth the price of admission. And what we're seeing now, three straight losses, I'm not saying KU would be 8-0 if Jalen Daniels hadn't gotten injured, but you're seeing the difference. You're seeing what a star quarterback at Kansas. I know we see it everywhere else all the time. Everyone's like, I know what star quarterbacks do. Not at Kansas, you don't, because you haven't seen one since Todd Reesing was here. But you see the impact that he has on the team. Are you still entertaining the idea that he'll come back this year? I am. Uh, We had the Pete Thamel report a couple weeks ago. I think that if we're to look at what kind of happened there, obviously the Zach Boyer tweet going back and whatnot, I, I think there is a chance, like, he might have been right on what the injury was. Uh, you know, I think you had something to like separated AC joint or whatever, separated shoulder, whatever uh, the terminology is. And I, I think that that might have been correct, but that the time frame for the injury might not have. So I, my question here is, is he going to be 100% if you play him? in that game. I don't know if he'll play against Oklahoma State. I feel like he will be back at some point this season. Um, but again, if if Jalen Daniels can't take hits and you can't really run the triple option game or his throwing power is diminished, are you better off just playing Jason Bean? Yeah, because what you're seeing and what we thought Kansas was going to be good at was running the ball this year. We didn't know they'd have this explosive, deep game passing attack. But what you saw with Jalen out that I didn't foresee because I knew I knew Jason Bean was an athlete. I knew he was really fast, but you're seeing he's not a gifted runner. Like we're, That's the difference. He is very fast. He's not a great runner. I don't think he's very instinctual. Maybe some of that's by design, but I think there's just something inherent that Jalen has that Jason doesn't. And when you remove the quarterback's ability to run, it significantly impacts the team's ability to run because as Jason Bean has not been as effective of a runner the Kansas running backs haven't had as much effectiveness as well. Yeah, it's it's all on, at that point, just base running plays. It's on, can your offensive line move the defensive line without, you know, any, I don't know, tricks isn't the right way to put it on the, on the triple option. It's misdirection. It it's, for the line. Yeah, you're keeping defenses on their heels when you constantly have to try and figure out who's getting the ball here. That element, for the most part, has been negated with Jason Bean in. Yes, and it's a couple things there. Like, I think with Jason Bean, um, what you said as a runner, I I think Jalen Daniels just – the word that I keep coming back to of what he does so much better than than Jason Bean is the word processing. Like, he just just processes so much quicker, whether it is understanding where the blitz is coming from or understanding the read on a play. Like, sometimes Jason Bean might stare down a receiver. And the read option game, I notice it a lot. There's a lot of plays where – he maybe makes Jason Bean, that is, makes the wrong read of, you know, I'm going to give it to the the first guy on the dive or I'm going to pull it or I'm going to pitch it. When do I pitch it? There's little intricacies that 
I don't think he has mastered that Jalen was really good at. And we heard at one point um, through this season, like Andy Kotelnik, he said that Jalen Daniels has vision like a running back when he's running the football. You don't really get that with Jason Bean. So yes, Jason Bean might be faster, but Jalen is better at reading. Jalen is better at taking hits. He's better at breaking tackles. He's better at running through the teeth of the defense. That's not something that I don't think really interests Jason Bean all that much. So I, I think you're right. Sometimes we get caught up in this idea of just physical traits of speed. That's not everything when it comes to running the football. If Jalen doesn't come back, do you think Kansas wins another game? My gut reaction is no, and I don't want to be pessimistic. It's just like you look at the games in a vacuum. The Oklahoma State game, I don't know. They're going to be 14, 17-point underdogs. We'll see what Oklahoma State does against K-State this week. Um, the Texas Tech game is your most winnable game, but it's on the road. Like if that was in Lawrence, I, I probably feel good about picking a win there. But because it's on the road, you might be 7- to 10-point underdogs. The Texas game at home, I don't know what to expect there because they've had good success against Texas here. But I would think Texas is going to be pretty fired up after last year, and they have a lot of talent on that team. And then you have K-State on the road, and K-State takes you more seriously than any other team in the Big 12, even despite when you've had some bad seasons. So I just, I'm having trouble at this point trying to figure out what that win is going to be unless Jalen is back at 100%. Because again, if Jalen's back at 70%, but it limits what you can do as an option offense, then it's not the same explosive offense we saw early in the season. And if your defense is the worst in the Big 12, which I think right now it has to be, I don't know what the other answer would be, you have to have an elite offense to win games. You just do. It's the Texas Tech model for, for winning games, for going to bowl games from you know over the past decade or so. And so if you just have an average offense and the defense is the worst in the Big 12, it's just hard for me to see them winning another game unless Jalen is 100%. Okay, so you're optimistic that Jalen could return. You're not so optimistic about KU's chances if he doesn't. So let me present a hypothetical for you. Behind door one is you can just guarantee one win, exactly one win in these last four, making you bowl eligible. You won't go winless, but you're not going to win one more than one game. Behind door two is every other option. <laughs> the possibility that Jalen could return, maybe they win two games, maybe they win three games, but also maybe they lose out and miss a bowl game. Which door are you taking? I'm taking the one win. You're taking the one win and you're running with it. If you would have asked this question after the 5-0 and start or maybe even the one loss to TCU, I think you're, you're like, oh, I'll open the door. I'll leave it up for grabs because at that point, there were some murmuring, some small conversations about could KU actually like compete to play in the Big 12 title, could they win nine games and, and maybe have a shot at going down to Dallas because of how open the Big 12 seemed? And now we're kind of at a point where is there that much of a difference between KU making their first bowl by getting six wins versus KU making their first bowl in over a decade by winning seven? Like, sure, it'd be more fun. You'd have an extra win under your belt. I'm not saying there's any difference, but big picture, there's really not that big of a change between the two of those. So, yes, I would take the one win and I would run with it. Is your answer the same if I told you that Jalen Daniels returns after the bye? Are, are we saying 100% Jalen Daniels? He just returns. He's just good enough to play. One yeah, I mean, one I think you're probably right. It's Kansas football, and you're not in a position to be greedy. 
But I'm not a subscriber to the idea that you can't change expectations as the season goes along. Like, yeah, of course, if you would have told me before the season this team was going to win six games, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. But then you see the way they started. You see the momentum they built. You see what you had at quarterback with Jalen, and all of a sudden the expectations do change a little bit. And maybe I'm holding on to those too much because part of me says, no, I saw what they're capable of. They're capable of being you know, top 25 team in the country. So I, I want to see... If Jalen comes back, if this could be a seven or eight win team, because that's where I was at. After the Duke game, I thought, this seven or eight win team. And now having to change expectations feels like I'm getting shortchanged. Yeah. And and it is just kind of unfortunate because I think that Oklahoma and Baylor, maybe outside of the Texas Tech game, you know, through that point after the TCU game, those are two of your three most winnable games. So if you could like just pick and choose what games Jalen was going to miss because of injury. Those would be the two you wouldn't want to pick. Yeah. You know, if, if Jalen plays the Oklahoma game, they might still lose because they couldn't stop him. But who knows? They might score 60 in that game, right? Against Baylor, maybe have a better first half and, and you end up winning that game. So uh, I think it's just kind of bad timing with how everything worked out. All right, I want to talk some hoops with you. Um, obviously, you lose a lot with Ochai, CB, Dave. You have two returning starters in Jalen and Dewan who are sort of being pegged as your leaders, do you think they're going to be like the guys who this offense runs through, though? We know that they are the elder statesmen. We know that they have experience that nobody else on the roster has. In terms of X's and O's, how this team actually manufactures wins, is this going to be the Jalen and Dewan show? I don't think statistically it'll be the Dewan show, but I do think the ball is going to be in his hands even more than it was a season ago. I think... You're going to rely on him to make decisions, especially late in the shot clock. Um, I don't know what that looks like statistically. Like, is it prime Aaron Miles or something where he's putting up, you know, eight, nine points, seven, eight assists, something like that. Um, But I do think he's going to be well-trusted with the offense. I I think Jalen is, and I think he can be that guy's the go-to guy. I mean, we saw it as a redshirt freshman when he came in, and that team was a little bit devoid of that. And that team ended up not being nearly as good as some other Bill South teams but he really didn't have a problem being that guy, at least through the first I don't know, two, three months of that season. And over the last, I think it was 25 games of last year, he averaged 13 points and eight rebounds. Uh, obviously, you defer a little bit when you have Ochai and Christian Brown on the team, but he was the leading scorer in the national championship game. He didn't shoot well in the NCAA tournament, but he was consistently kind of grinding his way to points. Like the Providence game, I think he led him in points as well. And that's kind of how I would describe a lot of his game as a scorer. Sometimes he can just grind to get the points. Now, if the shooting's better for Jalen, then it opens up so much because he's going to have to be guarded better on the outside. Obviously, he'll just convert more three-point shots. And we know he is a good driver to the rim. So if now he is causing more you know, threat from the defense because he's hitting shots, I think he can legitimately be that guy. I think that... um I don't really have questions about what he can do, but the big question to me is, can you get multiple of those guys? Because something that I've kind of looked back upon in trying to figure out, not necessarily the the teams that have gone the furthest in March for KU, although there is sometimes a correlation with this, but the best teams. It's just, and I know this sounds very like simple because it sounds very much like, well, duh, of course, if you had a lot of those, you'd be great. Just have a lot of bucket getters. Like, what did you have in common last year? Ochai, Christian Brown, Remy Martin, um, David McCormick, not in terms of being able to dribble it up and get a bucket, but if you dumped him the ball in the post, he can get you a bucket. And then you add in Jalen Wilson. Like, they had 
a handful of guys. And basically, no matter what lineup they throw on the court, even Mitch Lightfoot, Mitch Lightfoot was super efficient with the right-handed hook last year, that no matter who you had on the court, you had four to five guys at all times, pretty much, at least once we got to the March rotation, that could get you a bucket in their respected way of doing it. This year, I don't know if you have that depth. So I think Jalen can do it. I think DeWan's trustworthy with it late in the clock. But do you have enough guys that can get you that bucket? Yeah, because with Jalen, a lot of his points, as you mentioned, they're they're sort of like this ad lib, end of shot clock, none of the other looks were there, give it to this guy, and he's either going to muscle his way to the rim or if he's got a bigger guy on him, which I guess you don't see a ton, um, then he'll just kind of get past him. He's got this sort of really nice in-between game. I do have questions about him being the guy, the focal point offensively. I think it works if you have a ton of shooting around him or if he himself becomes a bigger threat to score from the outside. Which of those do you think is more likely, that this team is going to be able to space the floor with shooters around him and let him sort of be the guy we've seen? Or is he going to take that next step in his game Probably not to the extent that Ochai did because we've never really seen that, but just to the point where he's a respectable 37 to 39% three-point shooter. I think it would be that one, and a perfect reason why. Uh, Yesterday at KU Men's Basketball Media Day, Bill Self toiled with the idea of Michael Jankovic being the ninth man on the team to give them shooting, to give them offense. So that does not... Yes. So if that does not raise up the alarm bells about where the team shooting is right now, then I don't know what would. I didn't hear this. And uh, that's a little troubling that he's got to be fucking with us, right? He's I not mean, really toying with Michael Jankovic, he, a walk-on, a coach's son, right? Tim Jankovic's son, formerly on Bill Self's staff. So that is purely uh, your, my dad knows you. So now I get to play for you situation. He is not going to be in this rotation this year. Listen, the question wasn't even about like what is, what do you see Michael Jankovic's role, something like that, that would lead to kind of a, a flowery answer like that. The question was, who do you view as being the most improved player from what they've done through the offseason this year? And he said Michael Jankovic. And he said, you know, and I don't know if uh, he would be a guy that we would want to play in a ninth man role, but certainly if we need scoring, he would have to be on that team. That, uh, they're I'm fucked. paraphrasing there, but... They're fucked then. I know we talk about national championship hangovers, but you got, a, you got a lot of nice freshmen coming in. You got a nice transfer from Texas Tech. Uh, Michael Jankovic, you know, I saw the video KU put out the other day. Great kid. Um, good interview. Probably got... I mean, but come on. You can't, you can't be trying to defend a national championship with him in the rotation. I'm assuming... That might be a little bit of a motivational ploy. Or maybe I, that I'm motivational ploy, yes. it's probably happening in practice. He's probably like, if you can't do it, then I'm putting Jank in there. And so it happens enough in practice to where he just says it in front of a microphone. But I'd imagine that won't be the case once the season gets here. Do you think Jalen's the leading scorer on this team? I do. I, I feel like Jalen's going to get 15, 16 a game, be up at 7, 8 rebounds. I, I think he's going to be a real Big 12 player of the year candidate, which puts you in the discussion for being an All-American. Yeah, I just think we've seen at times in his career, we saw early last season, where he serves the suspension for the DUI. He comes back and really struggled. He was coming off the bench, and I think he was really trying to make up for lost time. 
and it was the worst basketball we'd seen him play at Kansas. Remy goes to the bench. He gets back in the starting lineup. I think he had a couple games where he pulled down like 13, 14 rebounds. He was doing all the little stuff, and then he sort of took off from there. There have been moments in his career where we've seen him press, and I don't think it's anything more than him trying to sort of live up to expectations or do more than really he's being asked to do. This will be the ultimate test of that because now he knows. He won a national championship, probably could have left, comes back, knows he's the face of the team, knows he's the leader on the team. There's a lot of expectations on him, and I'm not saying anything personally against him, but that's a lot for anybody to handle. Yeah, it is. Um, But by all accounts, like Bill Self has mentioned him as as being great, like as a vocal leader so far, which uh, he's always been kind of a vocal kid, so I think that helps. I, I think he could be helped a little this year. The fact that they do have so many questions at the five, I guess Jalen played some at the five during the secret scrimmage. So uh, maybe that would be something where they go back to that. Cause we saw him have a lot of success with that in his uh, redshirt freshman season. I, I think he is going to be kind of a complete player this year. I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy who basically is a senior, like this is his fourth year, even though he's technically a fourth year sophomore because of the medical redshirt and the COVID year. Um, you know, how many times have we seen guys in their fourth year at Kansas just kind of explode through. Well, a lot of them have been guards, right? Frank Mason, Devontae Graham are names that immediately come to mind. But I, I think he's going to be a much more well-rounded player this year. I think, like I said, we already know he can be a good driver. I think that um, he's shown some stuff on occasion in the mid-range, although it's been a little inconsistent all around with the shooting. I think the shooting is just going to get a lot better. We, we heard a lot about it over the course of like the offseason. Uh, he kind of changed up some of his shot mechanics. He was talking about that at Big 12 Media Days a little bit. And, and that is kind of something where it's like, you know, best shape of his life season where we always hear that. Well, I like, tweaked my shot, and now it's the best it's ever been. But I, I do expect big things from him. And, and I think that for KU to be where they want to be, you're going to have to have that happen. You mentioned the five spot. That's probably the the position, not just talking about the starting rotation, but just in terms of who's going to get minutes, who's going to play, who won't, that is most up in the air right now. Zach Clements and KJ Adams are the returners. Uh, Ernest Uday is, you know, the highly touted freshman. You've also got Zuby Edgeford. This is the time of year when everybody has a take and all five guys that are in the mix are represented in those takes. Like, I think it's actually, you know what? A guy to watch out for. I've heard, you know, I've heard at practice that this guy's really impressed. And then we get to the, you get to the season and they don't sniff the court. So this is the fun time of year to get the takes out. What's your take on the KU big situation? Are you willing to plant your flag with one of these guys? I mean, I don't feel great about it, but I, I'll give you a prediction just for the fun of it. I mean, I'm wrong all the time, so what's another one if I'm wrong again? There you go. Um, I, I guess at the beginning of the season, we know one common thing about Bill Self. He wants to play the guys that he trusts, and that goes for the rotation, that goes for the starting lineup. I think that he wanted Zach Clements to take a big jump, and I don't think that has happened yet. I do think some of the comments that have been made like at Media Day, he said, for our centers, we don't have a clear-cut guy. He said we have a 1A, a 1B, a 1C, and a 1D, basically saying that they are all equal right now in terms of where they are. So if you don't trust them, and it was also something where, you know, Big 12 media days, he was kind of talking about, yeah, we don't mind playing Zach Clements and, and Cam Martin. It'd be fine to be a pick-and-pop team. But what I said on, on Locked on Jayhawks earlier this week was, you know, I, I don't know if this is the case for you, but with my wife, like, if I'm like, hey, we're, let's do this for dinner, and she's like, that's fine. I know it's not fine. And I think that's what it is with Bill Self. Like, it's fine if we're a pick-and-pop offense and uh, we don't want to play as much defensively with our centers. 
But realistically, he wants to have centers who can play defense and he can throw it down to in the post and get buckets down low. He just wants to. Now, the guy that I would throw out in the starting lineup to begin the year is different than the guy I would throw out to end of the year. I think by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Ernest Uday. He's got a seven foot four wingspan. He fills all the roles of what a Bill Self Center would want. Rebounding the basketball, dunks it really hard, catches well on lobs and rim runs and pick and rolls, uh, blocks shots on the inside. He has maybe the highest potential for that type of center on this team. I think Zuby Edgefer, you've heard good things about him maybe being more college-ready. But by the time we get to February or something, maybe that's gone on a certain issue day. At the beginning of the season, back to the trust conversation, I really would not be surprised if K.J. Adams is the starting center right off the bat for the team. K.J. Adams had enough trust from Bill Self to be on the court at the end of the game in the national championship. And, yes, you don't have the guy who you can throw the ball to down low and score, but it sounds like all of them are struggling with that. So if everybody is struggling at it, then you're going to go to defense, you're going to go to rebounding. And K.J. Adams, we know, is good at both of those things and doing the little things for this team. Yeah, you. I mean, it was a two-man rotation last year. David was going to play as much as he possibly could, and then if he needed to come out, it would be Mitch. And then if Mitch wasn't getting the job, then it was, okay, who, do, who else we got, right? Zach Clements had a big game against Oklahoma earlier in the year when uh, Tanner Groves was going off from deep, and he kind of came in. Uh, KJ was good at that, the Miami game, right? He had that big block at the end of the first half, and as you mentioned, only three minutes in the championship, but it's the championship game. So Bill Self's not throwing out guys who he thinks are going to hinder their ability to, to win a game. That's big. I think at the point guard in the, in the five spot, you're 100% right. It's all about trust. It's not just how skilled are you, can you get rebounds, can you block shots. It's can you not be in anybody else's way? Can you not screw up? What we're try- the, the, the set that we're trying to run because you didn't run to the right spot or you weren't quick enough. Like, that stuff is, is really difficult for a lot of freshman bigs. Even the really, really talented ones that we've seen, and I'm not sure, like, there's a Joel Embiid or Yudoka Azubuki in this class. Like, I think you're right. It's going to be ugly online. I mean, Dave, people hated Dave. People hated Dave last year. Bless his heart. Until they didn't, until he came up big in the biggest moments. Like, even though the game-winning shot that he hit in the title game, that was a no, 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 yes type shot from him, which is sort of what he made his career on. I wonder with KJ, too, like, 6-7, there's there's limitations. Even if your coach trusts you, even if you're a great athlete, in college, he is still a tweener. Usually you don't get exposed as a tweener until you're in the pros. I wonder if he's just maybe two inches too short. Yeah, that's that's obviously the question there, but I, I think you can spin it on its head a little bit. Remember Texas Tech a season ago, like the entire lineup that they would throw out, it was guys between 6'4 and like 6'8, and they just switched everything, and it made life miserable on the offensive side of the court. I wonder if Bill Self looks at that, because Texas Tech had the number one defense on Ken Palm defensive efficiency last season. I wonder if Bill Self looks at that, you played them three times, and says, man, that was tough to play against. So it's not going to be a predominant thing. Even in whoever we're talking about is the starting center, probably early in the season, only looking at 15 to 20 minutes on, on a given game. I wonder if he looks at that and says, oh, that might be kind of fun. We could switch everything. KJ at the five, you know, but I, I guess you can't switch to Juan onto a post player, but you know what I mean? Like you can basically switch all of those players um, and it becomes very, very interesting with some of the defensive things that you can do on that side of the ball. I just, like I said, if we're going to look at it as all these guys are even in where they are, 
Bill Self is going to fall back on trust, and he's going to fall back on defense. He hinted that Grady Dick is going to be a starter, which shouldn't come as much of a surprise. I mean, he was the top-rated recruit in the class, but I think early on in the offseason, people were sort of throwing MJ Rice out there, and maybe those two will be competing for a spot. Is it purely shooting that, that Grady brings to the table? He's obviously a, a good shooter. Bill Self had them the most glowing quote about him from Big 12 Media Days. He's like, he'll miss 10 in a row, and he thinks he's making the next 10, which is music to Kansas fans' ears. I feel like if he's not that type of guy, if he's not a floor-stretcher shooter, then this team is going to be sorely in need of one. I feel like he is as important of a piece for this team going from being a good team to being a title contender a year. Yeah, and it's it's tough because freshmen, how often do you see them come in and light up the world in three-point shooting? Like, usually it's fine, but that's something that consistently usually gets better the longer you're in college. And even the freshmen who a lot of times we see who do shoot 38 40%, it's like limited attempts. You're asking this guy to come in and not just shoot at a high percentage. You're asking him to come in and shoot probably the highest volume from three of anybody on the team. Um, so... Uh, I know Bill Self said yesterday that he envisions this team shooting more threes than last season, and Grady Dick has to be the biggest part of that. Um, he did also mention that for him to really excel, like he has to pick up some of the small things, whether it's defending, whether it's you know the mental side of the game. He, he brought up kind of a, a small uh, story of trying to dribble through like a double team, and, and it didn't work. So just small things like that. But it sounds like he's he's doing just fine, and the fact that. I think it was during late night in the fog during the broadcast he uh, brought up, or maybe it was during like the avail afterwards or before brought up that, you know, for the starting five, he kind of envisions Dewan Harris, Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller. And then there's trying to figure out the five, the fact that he included Grady Dick in that, I think speaks well to the, maybe the trust level that he has earned, but then, yeah, back to what, you know, we were kind of talking about with Jalen Wilson, having shooters around him. If especially, with Zach Clements, if you have questions now about how many minutes he's going to play or how much he's going to be a part of this rotation, that's one less shooter on the floor for you. And with Dewan, we know he can shoot it at a pretty high level, but he's only someone who can shoot it if he's like wide open off a set shot. He's not someone who you're drawn up threes for. Kevin Kohler has been a streaky and consistent shooter at Texas Tech. Same thing for Jalen Wilson so far, even if you do think the numbers are going to go up for him this year. There's a lot of pressure on Grady Dick, and even the guys who are coming off the bench, like Joe Yesifu. If he's what he was at Drake, then yeah, that's great. He's a three-point shooter, but we didn't see it last year. Bobby Pettiford, not known for his three-point shooting. MJ Rice, more of a streak shooter, scorer than he is really a, a lethal shooter. Uh, your best shooters on the team might be Grady Dick, Cam Martin, and Zach Clements, and we don't know how much Clements and Martin are going to play. So yes, very important role for Grady Dick this year. Good stuff, man. I think we, I think you may have covered every team on or every player on the roster right there. Except for Joe Yesifu, mm. so shout oh, out. Kyle Cuff. Kyle Cuff. Kyle yeah. Cuff, there we go. Now we got everybody. Thanks for the time, man. Absolutely. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I thank you so much for the time. We'll see you next week. It's Waving the Week. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 